Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. If you want to listen back in full to any of the interviews, segments, or you just want to listen back to the full shows uninterrupted, you can get them on whatever usual podcast platform that you are on. So, uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch as well about uh, any of the Darwin Awards this evening, uh, anything you've seen that you'd like to nominate, any one or anything that's kind of made you kind of go, this, this, how this person got to that age is unbelievable. 87 Yeah, um, this I find kind of funny. So, you know, pre-lockdown and you had the influencers and they were showing off their everything, their perfect life, but their brands and all the rest of it and everything was rolling in the garden. Then lockdown happened and we all thought, "Ah, that's grand. Now everybody is going to be out of a job in terms of being an influencer. You're not going to be paid to be... You know, silver linings, silver linings, yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But in fact, a lot of them were paid while they were at home for different things, like you know, maybe when they were baking their bread, their banana bread that everyone was oh, baking, oh, and all the rest stop. of it. Well, and listen, I know they the, have to make a dollar bill, but I'm kind of like, just enjoy the enjoy the pandemic, all right? But I I don't know if you noticed this during lockdown. Now I was feeling very low at times, very isolated, all the rest of it. But I was going on to Instagram and I wasn't seeing reality people going, yeah, I'm not feeling great today. I was seeing perfect cleaned houses and baking from scratch and people doing online courses and all this stuff that apparently I wasn't doing enough because I was feeling like in a rut and that the world was ending. Whereas all these people were putting up this perfect image. So it got me thinking. Go on. No, it got me thinking. Are they actually feeling this way are they actually do they have their lives together have they just adapted perfectly no 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 they've never had their lives together and I think they're more so I think they're so I think a load of these people who are putting up pictures of their perfect life with their perfect tan and their perfect nails and perfect everything like hey I think they're so insecure deep down because they they need so much validation to project this picture of perfectionism that I think they've got probably a lot of shit going on Absolutely, but now we can sleep easy knowing that this has been studied. So these types of people have actually been studied during quarantine and they found that there's actually a name for it and it's called Perfectionistic Self-Presentation. Say that again? Perfectionistic Self-Presentation. So it's the art of bragging when you're actually feeling like SHIT. What's nearly worse is... I know so many people who do that, right? I've seen a ton of people 
Are you on LinkedIn? No. So LinkedIn, obviously, the professional... I, I was on LinkedIn and then it turned into Tinder. So I decided to go off it. <laughs> I've heard that from a few people. And again, it's only... It's only from women. Like you, There's no woman on LinkedIn that joined LinkedIn and looked at a guy and said, oh, I might strike up a conversation no. with this guy. It's Absolutely only dudes. Not. And I've, I've heard that once or twice from other people, you know, that are like, why are men, creepy men, using LinkedIn to try and chat people up? It's horrible and it's very invasive. So I and, and do you know what I've heard, heard as well before is that some people in companies set up a fake, you know, we, we've set up fake female accounts online before to try and see yep. what the crack was but they've set up fake employees fake attractive accounts to work for the company so let's say you have uh, you know you're working for a Searsha Limited and you've got a company um, well it wouldn't work with a girl but let's say you just created a fake employee that worked for the company and you started adding all these people they found that men and like sales directors and people who are just key decision makers were far more likely to engage with let's say the attractive woman via LinkedIn who didn't exist as opposed to any of their other salespeople and they used that as like a technique and a strategy to get their foot in the door and then they'd go to trade shows and the creepy men would be like hey so is like uh, is Joan working today uh, is she here and she, they're, they're all like oh no she's back in the office and they're like oh she's great blah 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 and without realizing that the lads knew that he had been sending her really inappropriate messages and some Richard pictures as well just find it fascinating Oh, my God. What is wrong with your sex? Seriously. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do I can't get even women remember. Doing that? So you, you kicked it off, yeah, because it turned into a dating site. We just ruin everything. I apologize. I have never done that before. It is weird. I mean, of all the places, you might get away with that on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, and obviously on Tinder. But LinkedIn, you'd kind of think, no, pe- people... People are not going on LinkedIn. People go onto LinkedIn because they hate their jobs and they're so desperate to get out of the current situation they're in. Not time for you to slide into the DMs and go, "Hey, do you want to go for a drink? You want to? I'd like to cheat on my wife with you." You know, it's it's not that kind of place. No, it's not. And they need to just calm down. It's really work related, isn't it? Uh, how much how much weird stuff did you get on LinkedIn? Oh, I got really weird messages. Um, but the worst <sighs> is like I knew where they worked and stuff. Yeah. Like they don't hold back. These men don't hold back. Like your entire CV and employment history and all your contacts are there. I wasn't sent any Richard pics, but very close to it. Good God. Very close. That's funny. And a lot of persistent messages about going for a drink. On LinkedIn. Um, that had nothing to do with anything, yeah. So I just ignored Such them. Idiots. But just bizarre. Oh, but left. I had this on Airbnb before as well. When I Airbnb'd my spare room. For a night to, to someone before. Actually, two people. Uh, I don't do it anymore, and especially I don't do do it with men staying in my apartment because that's just dangerous. But I did, it, I did it a lot of times, actually, but twice I had two guys follow up with, can I, can I go for a drink with you, and so on. Um, now, I didn't respond to either of them, but they persisted. If they, had so been, I, if they had been very attractive and nice, would you have said yes? No, no, absolutely not. That like is the oddest thing ever. And both times... I vaguely remember them, but it was very much, there's the room, you're here for a night, there's the key, you know, show them around real quick. And then it's like, cool, see it. I'm very detached. I don't sit around having a chat. So they saw me for five minutes. And then they think the next day after they check out that they can message, you know? No. Oh, dear. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So yeah, that was bad. Um, anyway, stepping aside from that, they were saying obviously this perfectionistic lifestyle. So these people, obviously, this isn't surprising, have unrealistically high standards for themselves, most often in their professional lives, but also in other domains. Their self-worth is almost exclusively based on meeting these standards and they perceive any mistakes, delays or imperfectly executed goals as personal failures. And they but do. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I'd say that's more like your OCD kind of super achievers. I wouldn't say the annoying influencers are necessarily that particular people who people not just quote-unquote influencers but pe- people who post perfectionism online i would say when the camera's off the rooms and bits and they're not really doing anything yeah but it's this whole kind of putting the guilt into you or making you feel bad yeah like there's one person in particular and i i kind of know her she's got four kids uh, and she's running a business and so on and her whole life on instagram is perfect she seems to be able to manage going to the gym with her four kids running a business I would just stop. house is clean it was all this portrayal of everything's great now as i said neither of us have kids and i can only imagine how stressful it's been to have them at home with you while you're trying to work whereas this person clearly is putting up the best bits of her day and the, the kids were meant to go back to crash today or yesterday and yeah. she put up a crying video about how she's going to miss them so much i mean come on Everyone's human. I don't even have kids and I'd be wishing them back to crash. <laughs> She's just knocking on the door going, lads, come on now. Enough come of on this. Come on now. In you go. Hurry up. Like, there's, there's no reality here. Like, yeah, that's you want not someone life. who's in bits. You want someone who's you're, all you're over not, the shop. You're not a robot. People are human. They have 
tired days and they are drained at times and you cannot manage all of that stuff and have a clean house and be able to cook from scratch and it's just mad. But yeah, the other so. the, 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 there's that perfectionism right, of people obviously pr- projecting out there the perfect life and happy days. And listen, maybe mm. if you're working with brands, maybe you're going to be a little bit more conscious if that's your full stream of income that you're kind of like, I can't show any sort of negative side of it because maybe the brands won't like to associate with that if they don't see nice, clean, proper, professional-looking happiness through all of your feed. Maybe maybe that's an issue that they're dealing with as well. But we just don't know because we're lowly non-influencers. We're scum, you know. But the other type of uh, annoying kind of perfectionism, that kind of thing of posting that kind of stuff online on LinkedIn, the reason, sorry, I was talking about LinkedIn, is a load of, a load of graduates or people who just finish a course, I can't stand the generic... So delighted to announce that I've just finished my degree in DCU and I just want to thank all of the lecturers that I had and the tutors that I had. I wouldn't have been able to get the 2-1 and getting involved with the GA club and the debating and the dance society if it wasn't for you. You know these annoying humble brags where they feel the need to put an inspirational post up about doing your degree. It's like, all right, calm down there, calm down there. I thankfully have not seen any of them. Uh, I must be too old for people in college, but um, that yeah, that's just ridiculous. The it's humble brag. Yeah. Yeah. It's just oh god! It just come out and say, ha ha ha! I have a degree. I'm better than you. That's just what they want to say. Just say it. Or just just why don't you just shut up? This is what I had a conversation <laughs> about the other day about the gym, right? So yeah. Uh, so one of my friends was talking about getting you know ordering new clothes for the gym and all that stuff, and you know yeah. for her pictures that she's going to put up. Your whole point is you go to the gym to exercise and you go home again. You don't need to tell anybody. You don't need to brag. If anything, what you should actually do is if someone goes, God, you look amazing. You should say, I never go to the gym. I just eat whatever I want. I just yeah. look like this. Like That's much better than po- po- posting up your picture of you know before and after and they look the exact same and n- just looking for validation. <laughs> just stop it. Exercise without looking for attention. No one cares about you. No one. By all means, stick up a lovely picture at the weekend after hitting it hard in the gym for seven days. You look insane. Stick that And then the other up. thing as well, you know, the other thing that's really annoying, right, is you ever open up your Instagram, right, and then there's someone like you work with and they've posted up the most annoying photo, just them and their cat and a glass of wine <laughs> in front of the mirror. I was just going to say, did you like my picture from yesterday? Oh, no, uh, one which day. one? Because you've been you've been you've been posting loads of them. You're just I staring have. off into the distance, guy. Ah, that, that one. You, you never Live, liked it. And you never love, commented. Laugh. I know I was going to, but then I just would have looked like a sad, sad bastard because that's all I do. It's like you, so great. You only. No, in fairness, you you do give us a lot of myself and Tara. Anytime we stick up a picture of ourselves, um, shamelessly, you do always say that you're really proud of us. And um, what what else do you say? So and inspirational so and yeah, so, so inspirational, brave. Yeah, yeah. So which just, is lovely. Just, just I mean, it's nice to get that support from you. <laughs> uh, anytime, anytime you're posting up a cat selfie, happy days. Oh right. God. Uh, still to come on the show, uh, someone exploring the whole side of are you, you know should you or should you not be posting up pictures of your relationship online? Is it going to hurt or harm it? And we'll be talking to a CEO and a sex tech founder about. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon.
Cormac and Saoirse here and uh, we've talked you know we've talked to different people who are developing different products for inside the bedroom before and there's obviously a huge explosion in people buying those things so if you're one of them listen fair play to you but more and more people are doing it but more and more technology is encroaching into the bedroom not just for work and not just for other parts of our lives but uh, it's, it's becoming part and parcel and it's merging your personal lives in the bedroom and our tech lives are kind of merging together and uh, providing a whole host of innovative potentially uh, useful setups and devices and apps and to talk about more of those overlaps between your tech life and your sex life uh, and some of the trends for I should say 2020 half of the year is over now at this stage but for the rest of it anyway joining us from the Healthy Pleasure Group we're delighted to join on uh, Dominique Caretas how are you? I'm very well thank you for having me Um, I love the overlap between sex life and tech life Uh, we we haven't heard that before have we it's taken a good five years I wouldn't say we're not a new industry we're a new category in the world of of trade and commerce but sex as as we all probably know who all have a beating heart and a pulse um, has been around for centuries it's how we got here and you're very right in your statement when you say the two overlap because really what it is is technology facilitates the enjoyment and the pleasure and the ability to incorporate our sexual lives and sexual habits as part of healthy habits because there is an innate benefit to pleasure and most of us don't really understand it whether it's the benefit mentally physically psychologically intimately there is a benefit and it's a proven medical scientific benefit and technology has been along with the star of pleasure has been the solar plexus, so to speak, or the facilitator in bringing this into our lives. So not only is there an overlap, but it's almost merged and forged into one. Now, when we're talking about technology, are we talking about sex robots? Are we talking about toys? What are are we describing? Well, really, technology can be, yes, a toy. I think that's the one that most people will associate with, you know, the idea that there are, you know, vibrators with um, frequencies and different, you know, opportunities to use it in different distances or different parts Mm. of the house or even long distance. But you're very right, it goes much wider. And really technology is about, by definition, is about doing anything better. It's not necessarily about having an app or having a robot. They will be around and they will eventually, we'll be talking about them. So I know a lot of people are afraid of it, but it's worthwhile speaking about. Technology is about also having research and developing into situations or issues that previously have been ignored. So things like how do we support women going through different life stages, whether that's menopause? How do we improve technology in helping women through menstrual health? So it's no longer a tampon, it's a, it's a cup or it's lingerie that you can wear without having to wear anything insertable. Specifically during this time, I know we probably don't all want to talk about, you know, COVID-19, but what it has done specifically is it's put preventable health care in the forefront of a lot of people. And so when you're talking technology, things like being able to do a test, whether it's your sexual STI, so sexually transmitted infection test, that comes to your home and being able to have the results at your fingertips, it allows you not just to test for COVID and say, hey, I can mobilize myself across economies and travel. It allows me to say, I'm okay to kiss someone, to hold someone, to make love to somebody. So 
preventable health care is now combined with technology. How can we facilitate that moving forward? And that has everything to do with sex, health and living in the rest of 2020 in a very different life. When we talk about tech uh, moving into the bedrooms, obviously some people have a huge problem with that and we hear oftentimes uh, things like sleep or concentration or relationships can suffer because the two of you are on your phones or there's a laptop in between. Is So what would yeah. you say, you know, how is what, what you guys are doing or developing different and, and not bringing more distractions into the bedroom? We bring brands to the market, but what's important is education with that. And like most of us, I don't think a lot of us can say we had a, you know, judgment-free, exploratory, discovery, you know, process of sex education. And so what technology does allow you to do is it does allow you to explore. So let's take a toy, for example, that comes into the bedroom that has different intensities or variations. The opportunity to explore and discover maybe different erogenous zones now becomes a facilitator to communicate with maybe a partner that says, hey, this is what I like or this is what I don't like. Maybe you are discovering solo play and using a toy with different vibrations or different narratives awakens your senses to something different. So for example, maybe it's um, it's female audio storytelling, otherwise known as erotica. That is something that most people have not had the opportunity to explore, even think about. Yes, it's on our phone. Yes, it's in our bedroom. It's a process of learning and discovery and mm. it can uh, it can take you to a whole new level. So, yes, I think reading the news headline might be more of a, a distraction <laughs> and a letdown or an anticlimax to maybe using a product with technology to allow you to communicate and explore. Do you think there's a problem with people going, right, I can't do any of the basic, you know, getting turned on with no toys, no nothing, that it's constantly needing more and more and more, whether that is more computer-generated things or more vibrators that move faster, whatever it might be, that the basics are kind of lost or we're not getting turned on like we used to get turned on? I definitely think there's an element of that. Some people consider themselves being desensitized but like we forget, this is a stimulus and there's neural synopsis that's taking place. We need to understand that the starting point is not necessarily a toy. The starting point is, and like you beautifully put, it's actually touch and the ability to touch your body, to understand the anatomy of your own biology, to own and honor your own body and your own biology is the starting point. So you know, in any brand or technology that we work with, we always encourage that brand to bring education to the foreground because we don't want people just to to bypass that whole process of pleasure. You also find that a lot of people are very focused on the orgasm, so which is a byproduct of pleasure. There are such things as non-demand pleasure, so just to physically connect and to intimately touch somebody without the pressure of, you know, having an orgasm is is a story that has a lot of weight in itself and we don't want people to miss out on that opportunity. So there are those that they go from zero to a thousand very fast and they, they miss out the whole process in between. But if brands are coming out with technology and they're coming out with that narrative and that education piece, that's hugely important and allows people to start at that starting point. Um, and just from, you know, nosing around um, on the websites and some of the different aspects that you work with and maybe you may not be able to co- comment on this too much, but there seems to be 
in, in you know the lab section of the Healthy Pleasure Group or the Healthy Pleasure Lab, whatever that, I, I think people may dismiss the toys and technology in the bedroom as just kind of, oh, oh whatever. But it, it seems that there's serious like research, development and engineering that goes on to bringing these things to market. Yes. I mean, we work across with educators, uh, scientists, doctors. It is led by my business partner, which is Dr. Maria Praza Godoy, as well as Dr. Eduardo. So there's a lot of R&D that goes into what product and what solution can we bring forward that's really going to add value to people's lives and sexual health. Traditionally, historically, there hasn't been a lot of R&D in sexual health. It's mainly a focus on maybe erectile dysfunction, for example. And so we really have to look at the future and whether or not that product or a solution, whether or not it's using different materials like biodegradable silicone rather than the PVC silicone, which is what the toys were in our bedroom made of 10, 20 mm. years ago. So really across the board, we have to think about not just the environment, but the actual human beings that are in- engaging with these products and the technologies. So we really have to come together. We are not, as far as a sex tech industry is considered, we are not a regulated industry. So that's something we have to be very mindful of. When innovation comes to the market, you know, what type of regulations are we imposing as ourselves, ethically, morally? And hopefully the consumer will start to demand that from other brands that are coming to market too. And what are we going to look at now for the rest of 2020 or going into 2021 when it comes to our sex lives? I think you're going to find products and solutions in very varied touch points of your life. For sure, as women, when we receive our beauty box, you're going to be able to or purchase your cosmetics. You're going to be able to buy your lubricants, your essential massage, vulva, anti-aging oils, your condoms even, to empower women to take care of their, their sexual health. You're going to be able to have preventable health care on your phone with STI testing and sharing uh, technology. You're going to be able to experience education through VR learning because it's able to adapt the narrative to the audience, how I would learn about my sex education and how maybe a 15-year-old might learn about sex education is very different. It might be on the same medium, but the narrative is different. So it's not so much necessarily what you're going to find, but where you're going to find it. And then you're going to find that trifecta between sex, health and tech merge into your everyday lifestyle and to your touch points. If you're into gaming, you're going to appreciate that there are devices out there that have a therapeutic alternative program on the phone which helps you go through a cognitive training that allows men to control their climax so along with their device medically approved fda approved but far better than a pharma product so it is about finding it in your everyday life it's about finding it at your fingertips and it's about preventable not only preventable health care but sex care so whether it's about pleasure or whether it's about Mm. protection it's going to be full 360 it's going to be able to touch the touch points of your life and it should have really solid education it should be authentic and it should be credible and you're going to see that and if you're not seeing it you know have a look have a look at the next time you hop on to buy your online uh, your, your beauty products online the next time you go to boots or walgreens they have sexual wellness categories now in 200 stores they never had that before four years ago you're going to find it in hopefully in brands talking to you in understanding your lifestyle and that's huge. We've never had that before. And of course, we encourage that at any opportunity. All sounds really positive and amazing, really. That's something, say, as a 15-year-old going back, I'm now nearly 32, we never had. <laughs> yes, we, we never had it, right? And um, the idea that the same technology, so let's take VR, for example, the same technology can be used 
for me to explore maybe my anatomy in a safe mm. space, judgment-free, with full education, is quite awe-inspiring. The same technology can be used to help a woman who maybe has experienced sexual trauma. The same technology is being used for women who are experiencing hot flushes with menopause, with which you travel on your VR and you, as you breathe, the brain is encouraged to think that you are in a cooler environment, dropping your temperature. Now, I understand that VR is not accessible to everybody, right? It's quite a luxury at this point to be able to own a VR materials and equipment. However, the point is we're using technology to speak to many different therapies, to many different audiences for different mm. reasons. And it's all to add value. If you look at maybe five years ago when we had to buy a box of condoms and we all lingered for all of maybe 20 seconds, right, <laughs> in trying to pick a box and it kind, we kind of hid it underneath our chip packets. <laughs> Today, you can buy it online. There's brands specifically designed for women. It's still a condom, but it's thought out the way it's packaged, the way it smells, the ingredients that's being used. And I wouldn't be surprised if we would be able to pick that up on a clip strip where we buy our shaving gel and our razors because, well, there's really only two reasons why women shave their legs. And I'm, you know, you're welcome to prove me wrong. But <laughs> again, you know, having different technologies and different education and having mainstream media really opens up the conversation with retailers. So now the idea of this very polarized base, and I, when I say polarized, I mean, one side we have family planning and on the other side we have porn, right? Mm. And, you know, as, a, as an institute, we are not against porn. We're against that it's the only Bible of instruction. So it's really important that we try and close that gap and again, go into all these touch points of everyday life because that's how you make sexual health and pleasure a healthy habit. Hey, Dominique, you're going to be putting a lot of nuns out of a lot of jobs when, uh, you know, they used to go around <laughs> giving awkward talks to school students about how the body works. But um, yeah, it's obviously an area ripe for using VR and, and augmented reality and apps and anything from uh, the advancements of technology is going to improve, as you said, people's understanding of themselves and the world around them and how they experience that whole side of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And and another big story, speaking specifically of, of, of nuns and, and schools, is the starting point is consent. And again, when we're using technology or education or masterclasses or brands have the opportunity, whether it's on social media or talk, start the conversation with consent. Start the conversation and it doesn't, remember sex is, is genderless, um, it's colourless. It's about consent and it's about owning your body and honouring your biology. And when we start doing that, we give language and we, prov we reshape how we speak about ourselves. And slowly we start to raise a generation that has self-efficacy, confidence and the ability to say no and also communicate what they want as they get older. And this is, this is earth shattering and it's sometimes really difficult for society to imagine what that's going to look like when we've never seen it before but it you know we, we teach our children I mean I'm a mum and we teach our children you know table manners we teach our children how to be kind to others we're trying to teach our children how to be kind to themselves and a part of that story and narrative is the starting point of consent and owning your own body and give and arming them with the language to communicate about their bodies. Well, listen who knows you could see a nun with a VR headset on soon enough 
delivering classes and lectures <laughs> and, and schools. <laughs> but but listen, um, Dominique, it's been a pleasure chatting to you here this evening. And uh, Dominique is founder of the, the Healthy Healthy Pleasure Group. Uh, any recommendations or where can people find out more of your stuff online? Well, uh, we are HPG is where you can find us online or the same for uh, Instagram and Twitter or myself on LinkedIn, Dominique Carissa. Lovely. Well, listen, uh, Dominique, it's been a pleasure chatting to you this evening and uh, thanks very much for speaking to us here on FM 104. Thank you for having me. Have a lovely evening. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. Hey. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104 and we're about to learn some things about your online life and how they're going to impact your relationships because I would have presumed that, that, again, this is my, how what would we say, not um, that stereotype is the wrong word to say, but I would have always presumed that the more a couple posts online about how amazing their relationship is, they're both dead on the inside. Yeah, I would have thought the exact same. And also there's a little bit of selfishness that goes part and part with this. My Instagram... I set up for myself so I like pictures that I like so I'll take a picture of my cat or me and my cat or me on my own or something I come across I don't feel the need to always have my best friends in the picture with me or my partner in the picture with me yeah and I know that can cause some problems with some people but it's it's a weird one so if you're listening what are your thoughts on your you know posting pictures of you as a couple on social media? Is it would it make any sort of difference to your relationship, to your intimacy, to you know to your daily lives, or is it just egotistical, vain BS that doesn't has doesn't have any impact at all? Because certain people were looking into what impact does posting online, especially when you're in a couple. Um, what impact does including pictures of you and your other half have on your relationship? Does it have any at all? or you know are we all just getting ahead of ourselves here so to explain more to us about that study and to talk about their findings from the University of Kansas now Omrit Gilath joins us he was a professor of psychology professor how are you sir I'm great all considering yeah everyone everyone's so polite about these with these kind of like lockdown interviews and corona stuff it's like everyone's great we just can't go outside and everyone's slightly scared about the future but apart from that right now we're doing good and yeah, Professor, I would have thought that my own personal view on... I don't really post any personal stuff about my relationship online. One, maybe I'm just an egotistical maniac who doesn't want to give any attention to anyone else. But two, I, I just don't see how it could have a good outcome to put maybe so much stuff online. But you... Your research maybe found something slightly different. Well, it, it is slightly different, but you know, our motivation to study these things is, is to try to understand actually what's happening with this virtual living. I mean, now more than ever, right? When we did the studies, obviously no one thought about the pandemic and no one thought about this this uh, virtual existence. But yeah. um, we, we were still kind of wondering what happens when when all of these relational processes are are taking place online. How is that affecting your relationship? So, as you said, when people post online, um, you know, they, they often do it without thinking too much about the consequences. Um, and, and they do it because maybe they want to keep, you know, their friends up to date or maybe they want to, you know, brag about something. 
what we were wondering is what happens when you're self-disclosing, right? What happens when you are putting, you're sharing information that that is more personal and, you know, maybe you just go to promotion or maybe, you know, something important happened at, at work or maybe, you know, um, you, just, you just manage a, a very big task or something like that and you're posting it out there and basically, yeah. you know, revealing and, and then, you know, let's say your partner is finding out about it from your Facebook or from your Instagram, right? And, and you know, they're sitting there and saying, uh, so wait, I'm not important enough for you to tell me that first and I have to learn it was everyone else. Um, so, yeah. so what we're saying is, is not so much that, you know, it's necessarily good or bad, but that there are going to be consequences and we need to keep that in mind that if you are, um, you know, if there is something important and something that is, is kind of, you know, revealing and personal, you might want to, uh, um, you know, tell it to your partner first. And, and by partner, we, we talk very broadly, right? So it can be, yeah. you know, your romantic partner, your, your family members and so on. Yeah, I just don't understand why you f- would feel the need to tell them first. Like, there's a lot of things that I have posted online. Maybe it might have been passing my driving test or, you know, something else similar where I might not have rang a partner or I might not have rang my mom because I'm, I know they'll all probably be on Instagram anyway and they're going to see it within the first five minutes. Hang so on, it's Saoirse, less Would you hassle? not take time, time out of your day to just before you do that tell, tell the important people in your life here's how I got on instead of releasing I'm, it to all the other plebs that follow you, you know? <laughs> not really, no. A lot of things I wouldn't but at the same time I'm very much... Uh, you know, I, I don't hold back when I'm talking about myself on air. I am who I am. And I don't hold back much information, which is probably a bad thing. But when it comes to, you know, very personal things, like if there was an illness in the family or if I was in a <laughs> long-term relationship, I wouldn't be posting up fights or being passive-aggressive like a lot of people would put on their stories on Instagram. I keep that quite private. So in that regard, I just kind of keep it as a fun, happy place. But, you know, if I pass my driving test, that's a very happy thing so i just don't feel the need to tell anyone beforehand right and and you know this is all very interesting to me not that i'm analyzing you as we speak but but you know <laughs> on, do, hypothetically <laughs> hypothetically speaking if someone had told me that you know I, I i might consider you know they're what we call detachment style right so people have different attachment styles some of them are very anxious about the relationships preoccupied with thoughts about uh, abandonment and rejection others are more kind of av- avoidant they they try to avoid intimacy they try to keep it on the down low they're they're trying to make sure that there is there is enough room for them so they can pull away so they don't want to depend on anyone else and don't want anyone else to depend on them and then there are you know the secure people who are who are kind of more uh, uh, okay with was whatever they're they're fine with getting close they're fine with depending they're fine with helping out and reaching out for help and so on now w- what you're describing is to some extent right kind of fits with with the, a little bit of the idea of, of avoidance but again you're talking about you know being a celebrity and being you know a, a media personality so what you're putting out there is getting to definitely more people what we saw in our studies is that first of all putting things out there uh, is usually and again, this I'm talking about things that are a bit more personal, right? Is usually having a, a negative impact on your relationship, both on your own kind of perception and on your partner's perception. So we, we kind of measured both of these things, and we saw that both the sense of intimacy and the satisfaction from the relationship is kind of going down. So so when you are putting these things out there and you when you're not filtering, you know, you're putting the good and the bad and and you're just basically self-disclosing, which uh, interestingly enough when you're doing it offline it's usually increasing 
intimacy and satisfaction, at least in the kind of Western hemisphere. Um, when when you're doing it online, the, the the effect is the opposite. That is that's interesting now. So now, this has been a major red flag in a relationship that I was in before, where because I didn't post pictures of the two of us on Instagram, he found this uh, as a threat. He was saying, you know, you're putting up pictures of yourself. You want to look single. You know, took it really personally to the point where I nearly forced myself to put up a picture when we were fighting. <laughs> so it was this happy <laughs> picture of us in a pub. Yes, we were killing each other behind the scenes. And I just found that really odd and really wrong. And the pressure of feeling like I have to do something. So right. is that and, not and, and again, if, if you feel pressured, you, you know, don't do it. Obviously, I'm not saying, you know, get out of it. I mean, being authentic is, is an important thing. Um, but you, you might want to ask yourself, you know, why didn't you want to post, you know, pictures of you together? So he might be right about not wanting to show up like as a couple or not wanting to tell the world, you know, so people might be more sensitive to it. And, and the more you become, as we call, avoidant about it, the more you'll become anxious about it here or she will become anxious about it. So so this is kind of a push-full relationship, which we often see in our studies. We just had a, a new study talking about being hard to get, which is kind of, you know, a, a game playing within the relationships. And again, we see the same the same kind of relationships with, with attachment, anxiety, and avoidance, where, you know, one side, the avoidant people are more about playing hard to get, and the other side, the anxious people are more about pursuing them and trying to make sure that they stay, you know, in their vicinity and stay in the relationship. Oh, that's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. So what you're saying is, I think I've been in similar situations before. If two people have different styles or approaches to the relationship, as you mentioned, I'd be very much avoidant. I don't really <clears throat> mean affection and those types of things. Don't really, don't really go hand in hand. And my other half would be slightly different. But I can, I think I've noticed this before that if I'm getting more avoidant, she needs more attention or you know what I mean. Or, there you go, reassurance. And then I just get more annoyed because I'm like, would you stop being at me? Go away. Like, and kind of get frustrated that I'm like, no, of course you know I love you. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. There's always that back and forth that, you know, the, the more you pull away, the actual, you're going to wind up getting less of what you want or, or less space right, for wanting exactly. a better word. It's, it's very hard to step out of this vicious cycle, right? So so what we're doing in some of our studies is we're trying to use nudges or, or primes, as we call them, and we're trying to help out people by, you know, making them feel less anxious or less avoidant right so in some of these studies you can you can try and make it work like that in the lab obviously there are other options like you know therapy yeah. or if you happen to find the right partner that gives you the sense of security all that is is working great yeah i just find that um you know you're you're your own person and you should really be acting in an independent way you shouldn't have somebody you know, feeling anxious because you're not showing them off on social media and surely too much of that can have a negative effect as well. Right. And and it's always, you know, a balance between, you know, uh, individualism and autonomy and you want a partner. They have their own lives, obviously, and have their own existence. And, and you guys can talk about it, right? That's the easiest thing to do is to, you know, to stay from the beginning, you know, kind of like these are my expectations about, about uh, you know, our online existence. And, and you know, I can tell you that 
that you know my wife is on Facebook and all of these things and I'm not par partially because I think that there are kinds of negative I outcomes of that but I don't actually you know check to see what she's doing out there and I don't care if she's putting pictures or not but but uh, uh, you know we kind of had this understanding and you know if, if you talk to your partner and tell them look this is this is why I am this is what I do this is how I go about it this is not to say that I don't love you and um, that would make things much easier so so open lines of communications are super important uh, respecting your partner showing your respect that's all of that is going to help and then just getting back to the to the study that you were looking at on just <clears throat> couples who posted pictures of, of uh, each other on their social media uh, handles was it true then that if you know there was a benefit to posting pictures of each other online for certain relationships yes so so uh, you know we look at both friendships and and romantic relationships and and the things that are a bit more extreme was romantic relationships and you know so we found all of these negative effects like you know the decrease in intimacy and insatisfaction and so on but but as soon as as you have these uh, um, you know shared a uh, post right whether it's you know telling a story or putting a picture or what have you as soon as they're included and um, that takes away the negative effects so it's it's as simple as that by by you know making them a part of your story or you know uh, uh, taking them or or you know mm. even just talking to them first that can take away all the negative impacts that we've seen now is this to let other people know that you are in a relationship um usually not usually this is about your partner feeling included right so so it, it's interesting because you know when, when you're saying that it, it kind of reminds me we had a different study about breaking up and and you know we asked people how do you break up so people for example were avoidant are just basically changing their status on on facebook or whatever right so they're changing their status from in a relationship to single never say anything to their partner and just let them let them figure it out right so so it, well, you, know, you can do that that's that's one way not obviously yeah. not a good way no definitely not a good way so so again a lot of it is is about you know you understanding that there are going to be consequences so we we tend to i mean this online existence is still relatively new and 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 sometimes we just say just like what you said at the beginning you know what's what's the you know what's the big deal i'm, I'm just gonna do my own thing and 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 forget about it and and you know again you think about all these new behaviors that we see like fubbing right for example right when people are sitting in a day and actually looking at their phone while they're looking at their partner yeah. and don't understand why why you know other people getting offended or you know ghosting or or breadcrumbing you know all kinds of these behaviors that we're doing with our phones or with our online you know kind of like a, a existence and and we need to remember that there is a living you know, a feeling human being on the other side of that, and and just like we have, you know, ethics and politeness and and good behavior offline, we should we should make you know sure that we're trying to do our best online. In your professional opinion, as a professor a professor of psychology, uh, has social media been an overall good thing or a hugely hugely toxic thing for relationships in general? Uh, so, you know, I don't think you can say it's a good or a bad thing. I think, you know, there, there, there are examples here and there. So for example, you know, my parents live thousands of miles away from me and 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 you know i'm using you know things like skype or zoom what have you to to uh, stay in touch with it right so especially right now when you have the pandemic this is how you know i'm doing my work so obviously there are there are advantages to that um but again with like with like anything else right i'm gonna make a, a, a you know a crazy comparison and say you know
know, think about the atom, right? So we we figure out the, the secrets of the atom, we can use it as energy, but we also created the bomb. So it's not that bad, but but you know, you gotta keep in mind what are the what are the consequences? And I actually have a you know a blog that I wrote about it. Is technology kind of like representing the, the doom and like doomsday of relationships? And and for many people it does, right? We see less people are getting into a relationship, less people are getting married, less people are having sex. You know, people are kind of like living on their own and 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 getting themselves you know uh, uh, hooked up to technology and sometimes forget how important are are you know actually human beings and, and human touch and so on. Yeah, that's pretty much me. <laughs> living, living on my own with a cat. Ooh, this is actually this is actually Professor an intervention for Sergio here. Now we're going to have a, a sit down. We have your mother on the other line and a few friends who are worried about you, Sergio. We're just doing this for your own benefit. Um, no, obviously not. Listen, I think it's a fascinating topic that you're probably going to be kept busy with over the next number of years because we're still figuring out uh, how, as you mentioned, things like social media and, and Twitter and Instagram can be useful on one hand, but can set the world on fire uh, on. On, in, the, in the other hand, you know, so it'll be uh, interesting to see how it goes. Uh, Henri, before we let you go, is there anywhere you would recommend that either you have your work online or have you uh, any social media handles where you are posting pictures of your other half and having a happy relationship <laughs> that uh, people can follow along you with? Uh, so you talk about my own kind of like personal stuff. I, I, have well, a, yeah. I have a blog, if that's what you're looking for. But yeah, if you want to pl- plug pictures, your blog, yeah. yeah. No pictures of my of my loved ones. <laughs> online. I'm not doing any of that. And and my loved ones know, know that. And again this is just about your expectations so uh, you, you can find what I'm what I'm talking about you know work-wise on, on my blog but other than that it's it's uh, relationship free brilliant and the, the website address for the blog if, if you have it handy it's in psychology today so just just put my name on in psychology today and it would it's it's called uh, all you need is love and Perfect. no Instagram. All you need is love and no Instagram photos and you're going to have no, the best relationship no. of your life. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, thanks a million for speaking with us uh, anyway this evening. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure. Professor Omri Galath, we will chat you again soon. For sure. Thanks a lot. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.